This podcast is sponsored by CarePlus Home Health. You just visited with mom and dad, and you notice that their age might finally be catching up with them. CarePlus is your perfect solution. Headquartered in Montgomery County, CarePlus provides affordable in-home care and nursing services all throughout Maryland and the District of Columbia. CarePlus offers a number of services to support your loved ones, including personal care, companionship, meal preparation, and so much more. They can help with running errands and managing doctor visits. They can take mom to the beauty salon or dad to a movie. And CarePlus specializes in Alzheimer's and dementia care. An experienced CarePlus caregiver is the best way to support mom and dad's needs, leaving your family with peace of mind. Call CarePlus today at 301-740-8870. Tell them you heard about this ad on a minor detailed podcast and you will receive a special discount. Call today at 301-740-8870 and check them out online at careplusinc.com. It is Wednesday morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my dates mixed up. It is Wednesday morning. My name is Ryan Miner. Today is October the 23rd, and man, you can feel the crisp fall air here down in Rockville and all throughout Montgomery County. I host a podcast. It's called a aminordetailedpodcast.com, and I am on the web at aminordetailed.com where I write about news and politics, and man, there is a lot to talk about. This morning, I have the distinct pleasure of sitting next to me in a quiet room at the Rockville Memorial Library in Rockville Town Square. I have Councilwoman Beryl Feinberg, who is running for re-election to the Rockville City Council. Councilwoman, welcome to Minor Detail Podcast for the first time, and I think for the very first podcast you've ever done. That's correct. Thank you very much, Ryan. You bet. I'm, I'm very excited to have you, and of course, along the lines of interviewing the candidates who are running for election, in your case, re-election, you have an election coming up on November the 5th, and this year, it's a little bit different. Let's talk first about the mail-in ballots. That's been on the voters' minds here in the city of Rockville. How did you all discover as a council that this would be the best process to engage voters and actually increase the turnout in historically low municipal election turnouts? Now it's about time. Municipal elections. I have one. I'm a resident of Gaithersburg, and I keep hearing this common theme among the candidates that I need to move into the city. <laughs> Municipal elections have a historically low voter turnout, and you've been on the council for some time. Why is that? Why aren't people necessarily engaged in the voter process when 
this is government closest to the people. Really, what you do on the council level and what the city does, you're providing government services and ensuring that everything is working properly right here at home. Why would you think people are not interested in coming out to vote? Is it that it's there's a sense of apathy or is it that they just don't know who their elected officials are? Easy enough. You take your ballot, you fill it out, you get, you receive a ballot in the mail, and it lists all the th- was it thirteen candidates who are run. That's a lot for for city council and the two mayoral candidates. You fill it out, you send it back. The postage is prepaid. It is sent back to City Hall, or you can drop your ballot off inside of the, it it looks like a mailbox outside of City Hall. It is monitored, is my understanding, for around the clock, 24 hours, or you can come in on Election Day and vote. So there's a number of ways, but hopefully having the ease of voting right at home, sending your mail-in ballot back in, you make your voice heard, and I think that that's a perfect way to increase voter turnout. Have you had concerns among any any Rockville citizens to say, hey, we don't know about this, or they're concerned about maybe election security. Rightly so, because, look, our last election was literally hacked by the Russians. So I don't see that happening here in in any interference in our election. But I can imagine trying something new for people sometimes is difficult. Mm-hmm. signs. So there's confusion. 
confusion about do I live in the city or not, and you can simply go on the city's website, type in your address, and it will also alert you. So I think there's confusion in just where they reside. Is it in a municipality or not? But there's also the issue of, gee, who serves me when I need help? Who's the service provider? Is it county or is mm -hmm. it city? And there's a tremendous amount of confusion with that. Uh, the county's 311 service is an example. People may call and only to discover, well, no, this isn't a county service, it's city. Or vice versa, somebody may call the city and it's a county-provided service. So that adds to the confusion as well as the timing of our election. It is not in sync with the other election right. cycles. But in my view, that's very positive in that we don't have diluted um, voting in that we would be the last on any ballot right. all the way down at the bottom. And so our voters can focus on what's going on in the city of Rockville. So I want to move on and talk about you. And I am interested to learn more about your your background and really how you got into becoming a Rockville city representative. So it's easy for, I think it's, I think when people ask me, talk about me, I'm like, oh, I always shy away. But I'm interested to hear all about your background and career and how you got started here in Montgomery County and specifically Rockville. Sure. Thank you for that question. I hail from New Jersey, came down here for college, loved this area, and never left first of all. I was the pre-metro era to date myself, so it was much more of a small town in this entire region. Um, my experience are such that my both education and my career experiences, really this was a natural trajectory, but if you had asked me in the 1970s, would you ever run for election? I probably would have looked at you with deer in the headlights <laughs> eyes and said, you're crazy. Um, however, I do have a master's in library science from Catholic University and was a public librarian in both the Prince George's County Memorial Library System and the Montgomery County Library System. In fact, I worked at the old Rockville Library, their government information service. One of the cardinal tenets as a card-carrying MLS graduate is you give balanced presentation if people ask you for information on an issue. Not only do you provide the factual information, but if it's something that's a policy issue or two sides of an issue, you try to find materials that presents both sides. So that is really built into my personal DNA, as well as high investigation quotient, if you will, on the Myers-Briggs, and always want to seek more information and loved research all my life. And that led to a deep um, love and interest in public policy analysis. You've been on the Rockville City Council since 2013. You're a leadership Montgomery graduate, and you're an executive leadership and budget and finance for Montgomery County. And Councilwoman, you worked for the county for quite some time. Many of the years that I've served as a council member, I was doing double duty, working both uh, full-time for Montgomery County government and serving the city of Rockville as an elected council member. And I must uh, impart there uh, 
each time I ran, I had a review from the uh, ethics board in Montgomery County having permission to run and work in the county, that there was absolutely no conflict of interest. And on any occasion when there was any type of vote that I thought could be perceived as a conflict of interest, I always, always addressed that publicly at the mayor and council meetings. That's important. And you, I should mention that Ike, the former county executive, Ike Leggett, he has endorsed you, and you've you've been also endorsed by other county former county employees. You've been endorsed by Lily Chi, who is now a state delegate in District 15, and of course worked for the Leggett administration. And you've been endorsed by uh, Councilman Evan Glass and Gabe Alpernaz. So that speaks to your credibility as a Rockville City Councilwoman, and of course your experience working inside of county government. That's some that's some big endorsements here. It's a huge county. We have over a million people. I mean, it's it's un, it's incredible. We have more people in Montgomery County than I think some states do. I think we're we've surpassed maybe Montana and Wyoming or a few of the other western states. That's absolutely correct. And we're 500 square miles and very <sighs> geography and uh, demographics across this wonderful county. You know, something in your bio that you talk about on your website at barrelfeinberg.com you, you you call yourself a compassionate resident, and you were the uh, former chair and past board member of Montgomery Hospice. And I know that, especially working in senior care, we, we've worked with Montgomery Hospice, and it is a truly fascinating and wonderful organization. And I cannot speak more highly of the employees and social workers and the staff there that give people who at the, are at the end stages of their lives the that dignity to to pass in peace and uh really uh, just a, a very dignified passing and I, I just i have so much respect for people who work in hospice i was not a clinical person in any way shape, right or form. i was chairman of the board and served on the board for six years uh, i did that as a result of our family's experience using the services of montgomery hospice and i do have to add the leadership of ann mitchell as their executive she really is that compassionate person, but she is a wonderful executive, cares about her staff, cares about the people who are being served, whether it's hospice at home services or the residential facility on Lancaster right. Road called uh, Casey House. Yeah, I have a good relationship with Lisa Morris, who also works there. And Lisa and her management, uh, just spectacular. And I, I got to tell you, one of the best hospices. And I, I, you know, we, even though this is not, I, I would say on the peripheral of maybe a council issue, but um, my, my father-in-law passed away in January and he was 
only 73, and he, he was down in Florida, and we used one of the hospice homes. And it, it, it's so intense, it's emotional, but everything was taken care of, and the same applies to Montgomery Hospice. It's just a, it's a really great organization, and I'm sure it was an honor for you to set and chair that group. So you're an innovative council member, and, but you list this on your website. And I want to talk about policy. There's so much to talk about in Montgomery County, especially here in Rockville. But, you know, we did talk offline, and I, this campaign for the city council, you're part of the Rockville Forward Committee, it, it seems like there's, there's some contention. And, and, and I think that's a fair way to, to describe that. I see that there is some some tense moments between other council members and yourself or other council members and uh, Mayor Bridget Newton, who is running for re-election, and you're on the same committee team as, as she is. But, you know, Councilwoman, I, I'm, I, I've seen some, some back and forth, and it seems like you, um, you recently responded to this, I don't, on your website, this accusation of, racism has it gotten that bad I, I i didn't quite understand what was really going on until i had to read and man for a municipal election it uh it it, it seems like there's some 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 issues going on what what's going on why is this race uh you know sort of uh a, a, a flinging of arrows so to speak what's your take on all that issue and the same council member 
about something I had spoken about with policy said, that's ridiculous. And you could listen to the tapes. At that point, I decided, no, I needed to say something. And what I said was, you know, the last time this happened, I did not say anything. But now this has gone too far. This is from the dais. This is televised. We need to treat each other with civility. And what I said was the following. My mother always told me that you get more with honey than with vinegar. But at some point, you need to call out somebody who is not acting in a respectful way during a mayor and council meeting. And that is what I did. Unfortunately, that is the tone that was emblematic of this mayor and council. When there were differences, to have someone say, call you out that way to me is just intolerable. Do you think it was an un unfair? And even so, I'm, I'm looking at your website where you you actually had to respond. What what, what was the, and if I may, what was the ac accusation of of, of racism and you know tell me a little bit about the response that you included on your website um, yeah so this was a very untoward uh, allegation that I am basically a racist this unfortunately stems from the dismissal or actually firing and termination of the city clerk director of council operations Kathleen Conway I do not want to go into deliberations and that were on executive session. Uh, there is supposed to be the pledge that everything that is said there remains there. However, one of the council members who was on Team Rockville did not respect that pledge. I will go on to say since it has been in the public domain and reported uh, widely, the vote to terminate Kathleen Conway was a 3-2 by the members of Team Rockville at that time. Um, so I feel I can just dis discuss what the vote was. She was not permitted to come and discuss any issues. I specifically raised that question, and the mayor also wanted the ability of Ms. Conway to do that. Therefore, um, when there was the public vote for the city clerk director of council operations, and Ms. Farrell was made permanent, I voted no. The reason I voted no was because at the same council meeting, uh, council member Bruchello said he found that there was a, and I quote the word is vagueness, in what the director of council operations portion of the job entails. And that's fine with me, that's a fine question. And when a position is vacant, if one wants to discuss what the job duties and responsibilities should be, that's a perfect time. However, after she was appointed as an acting, they rallied and refused to have a recruitment and had her, they basically appointed her permanent by their 3-2 lock on the council. And I said no, because if you want to discuss the uh, duties and responsibilities of a job. Uh, HR, or Human Resources 101, would say that you do it when a position is vacant, not when it's encumbered with someone that you've just appointed. The reason being is that when you recraft the duties, they could either be higher, lower, or just simply different. And therefore, the alignment of the person encumbering the position and any revised job 
duties and responsibilities may not mirror each other and you may not have the right person in the position. And so I felt strongly and continue to feel strongly that you should have a recruitment. And unfortunately that was not done. And what happened is a week later, four people came to the council chambers and during community forum, basically accused me of racism when, when I looked at the acting city clerk, Sarah Farrell, and said to her, Sarah, I am going to go vote against this. This has nothing to do with you, and I made the explanation I just shared with you. And, um, and, and at the end of it, I explained why. And after the vote, I again spoke and said, Sarah, I want to say that I will work with you and want to work with you. And she and I, I believe, have worked well since on any tasks and that we had to do together. But to be accused by four people of implicit bias, to have the Montgomery County Executive Director of the NAACP put in writing accusing me of implicit bias is unbelievable. When you look at my record, what I have done for diversity and people who have worked with me for decades, they're just aghast. I, I could go on and tell you things that I have done championing diversity. So much so that the Rockville, the Team Rockville campaign manager resigned in disgrace because of this incident. And it's important that we point that out because they apparently had made a, a post or had shared the context of your vote. And again, this person resigned, and I believe was that decision was supported by the the Team Rockville. And so here we are today that you have a campaign manager who's flinging these accusations, responds, puts out what appears to be disingenuous information, and steps aside. And I should... I. I have to be fair and note that the, the there's been discussion now with the if the campaign manager was really even the campaign manager. But I, I I would be remiss if I didn't say that I looked at all the documents. The former campaign manager is listed on the documents, and I just it's very important that we we note that. So I, I hate to see the, the some this negativity. And look, I I, I if you're being backed by Ike Leggett by Evan Glass and Gabe Albernaz, I, it, it would be really hard for anybody to point to Beryl Feinberg and say that she has implicit bias against African Americans when it seems like this decision, and, and just from a, my perspective, an outsider journalistic perspective, that this was more procedural than, than anything, that this was a vote that you, I mean, you explained why. So, and it's disappointing that these accusations are being flung. And there is, I, I should mention, there are serious racial issues that is that that are that are happening in Montgomery County all throughout this country. But I I just can't see that you would be partaking in that activity, given your years of service and the number of endorsements you have. So I Really enthusiastic about it. 
And that was so that those in our community who are either any minority or female owned or a disabled owner of a firm could have a bite of the apple, so to speak, of doing business with the city. It is not with quotas. I want to be really clear about it. It's an informal program. We provide technical assistance to anyone. But we now, when we have procurements that come before the mayor and council that are over $100,000 and require our uh, being on the consent, hour, consent agenda and approval, it lists those that applied and responded to an IFB or an RFP and um, information for bids or requests for proposals if they are MFD owned. And that is a step in the right direction. We also have annual reports on MFD, and all these show inclusiveness, as well as I brought Project Search to the city, which is a program for job training and um, activities of daily living enhancements to those who are with disabilities. Councilwoman, I interviewed your colleague on the council, Mark Brichella, last week, and he um, he pointed out that he senses that and feels there's some incivility, but it's not at his behest, but rather at Bridget Newton and your own. So do you want to respond to that? Well, actually, our conversation a few minutes ago about the person who responded to me is specifically Mark Brichella. He is the person who called me out with those statements saying that's the most asinine thing I said and that's ridiculous. I was trying to not name him, but since you are asking, um, he has also leveled the comment or criticism that um, we are abrupt as staff. I can speak for me and I am going to say for the mayor, Bridget Newton, on as many occasions as possible from the dais when we speak and give our reports, I will celebrate specifically calling out staff if they have worked very hard on whether it's a special event like hometown holidays or the antique car show or any type of activity. And what was said to me is, well, because I challenged that, and Councilmember Prashela said to me, well, that's in public. Well, I respectfully, people do like to be affirmed in public and be acknowledged in public. I think that shows genuine gratitude, but I also do it personally. And something that, in terms of my own civility, and I've done since 2013, for every member of the board and commission who has been appointed, with the exception of those this summer, because I, I literally ran out of time, they received a handwritten note from me congratulating them on his or her appointment or reappointment. And on many occasions, I tried to look at their expression of interest form and find something to personally find a connection with them, whether it was school or a field of study or where they worked or a particular priority of mine. To me, that shows going the extra mile in civility. Councilwoman, let's talk about Rockville Forward. And I'm interested to hear, you said earlier that there's there's no litmus test, that you didn't policy test anybody. And I, I assume that if your, your committee is elected to the city council, 
to represent the Rockville citizens that, you know, there's not going to be uh, an across the board. You might disagree on some of these issues, but I'm interested to hear what your committee is focused on with respect to perhaps transportation and housing and economic development, which are big issues all throughout the city. And I was driving in this morning and I sent you a note and I said, listen, traffic is horrendous. And it was, I don't know what was going on. Usually I, I 270 clears out around 930. And that's been a big discussion, which, which directly impacts the city of Rockville infrastructure and transportation cars coming off of interstate 270 and driving all about the city. So Recently, the governor put forward a plan to widen the, uh, the the interstate, and there's other discussions talk. Perhaps there's reversible lanes. There's some transit discussions as well. But, Councilwoman, where do you stand on Governor Hogan's plan to widen 270 and add toll lanes? So, what are sometimes called Lexus lanes, <laughs> yeah. if you will. Yeah. which could affect Rockville City residents. Well, we have the metro, of course, that that intersects directly with the city of Rockville. And uh, here in the city, there's the Rockville station about a block away where I know lots of commuters come in and out and Twinbrook. And, of course, one of the biggest accomplishments, I think, collectively between the city and between the county council was the Grosvenor Turnback Eliminated. I used to take the metro into D.C. for work and Getting stuck at that Grosvenor turnaround, having to get off the metro, it would take more time for a commute, and it was a mess. So I'm glad that the city championed that with the county, and finally they eliminate this problem.
because Mayor Newton really championed that. Yeah, she was on the front and center of that. Yes, she absolutely was, and she deserves the credit for it. Let me ask you this about your council, even though that you have obvious disagreements, but what do you consider your some of the council's biggest accomplishments over the last five years? One would be the election change. Going to vote by mail would certainly be a huge change. Uh, one of the other accomplishments that I personally take is also the reform to procurement. Hmm. After being on the council for a year, not just the minority female disabled program, but there was a report that was furnished to us called the Hazlitt Report, and that uh, uncovered some issues with procurement. And I want to be careful to say this had nothing to do with any graft or bribery or any um, misappropriation of funds by staff. I want to be really clear this is not a negative to staff at all, but it is changes to the procurement processes and rules that needed to be done updating of a purchasing guide. And while these may seem very geeky, it's taxpayer funds and we have a fiduciary responsibility um, to do that. Speaking of taxpayer funds, the council and the mayor, they work, of course, with the budget and city staff to make sure residents of the city are getting their value for their goods and services of which you provide at the council level. Tell me about your budget. Are, is Rockville in, it, is it fiscally sustainable moving forward? And what's the, I guess the bottom line is people say, all right, what kind of shape is Rockville in fiscally? So Ross, Rockville, um, we have some excellent staff in the finance and budget department. They have made sure to budget conservatively, which coming from a background of the Office of Management and Budget, I would definitely applaud being conservative with our revenue projections. You want to maximize your revenue, but you want to, don't want to over-project what you will receive. You don't want to be on the other side of it. No. Uh, we do have a AAA bond rating. Again, I celebrate the staff and the leadership of the city for making sure we've had that for many years. That enables us to borrow at, a lower in, at the lowest interest rate possible when we go out on the market for government bonds. In terms of our budget sustainability, um, we do have an excellent budget, both the operating budget and the capital improvements program, or CIP. It's currently a um, $138 million operating budget, of which uh, $84 million are general funded by the general taxpayer. The rest are out of special funds. We have 11 enterprise or special funds. On the capital improvements budget, we have in FY20 a combination of carryover and new funding of $77 million. Now, in terms of what kind of shape are we in, um, the issue is looking forward. Hmm. We haven't raised taxes in about 10 years, property tax rate, which is great. I look and hope we can continue to do that. I don't look forward to any tax increase. In fact, I'd like to give a, an increased some tax credits I have proposed on this campaign trail. That being said, and to respond directly to your question, there are several issues on the horizon that we are acutely aware of. So in, there is about three quarters of a million dollars that had been a placeholder in the dis discussions for the FY20 budget for class and comp study uh, adjustments to salaries for staff. 
that study had not been completed and therefore we did not put it in the FY20 budget. But in terms of looming for FY21, and our budget year begins July 1st, it is clear that that same placeholder would likely be funded in the, or at least for consideration in the FY21 budget. That's just one. Another one would be we have acquired six tabbed court to use as a place for staff from our facilities and maintenance that they can use when they do our snow and leaf removal. They need a place better to shelter in so they don't have to stay in hotels and they're proximate to their snowmobiles and machines and it's much more humane to treat them and have a, yeah. a sh shelter for them. I know where that space, it's a good space. It's a great space yeah. and it will also provide an opportunity. We are just bursting at the seams at City Hall so it means we can relocate staff. The uh, notion here is that it will take more resources to do the build out. We haven't programmed those dollars, as well as there's something called planned improvement projects that list those things that are on the horizon by year. There are so many of them, and I actually uh, recited those on Monday evening when there was a budget question came that came up. So yes, our budget is sustainable, and we also have the additional resources that will come online for projects that are coming online in the city. Let's talk about affordable housing and housing in general. There seems to be some differences between Team Rockville and Rockville Forward about their viewpoints specifically on housing and affordability and dwelling units. What, what distinguishes your committee Rockville Forward from Team Rockville on specifically housing issues? Specifically on housing issues, there are members on the Team Rockville committee that have said they champion affordable housing, and I have to respect that they are saying that. I seem, think both teams and I think every candidate would acknowledge we need more of the missing middle and affordable housing. The issue is on Team Rockville, at least one member has said publicly, Councilmember Kershala has said he would like to get rid of the moderately priced dwelling unit or MPDU program. That is not the case on Rockville Forward. I personally would like to see changes to it. We recently, as one of the accomplishments of us, we have raised the uh, average median income to qualify for the purchased MPDUs. There's both the rental program and the uh, purchase program of the MPDU. We increased that so that the salary and income levels to qualify for those went from 60% of the AMI to 120%. I would like to see changes in the MPDU program. I, speaking only for myself, the threshold currently is 50, any development over 50 units. I would like to see that go to 20 or 30. So affordable housing also, there is a difference, I do think, and you've asked that, between affordable housing and density. We all champion affordable housing. We all would like to see on both slates or committees walkable, uh, smart growth housing near transit centers. Unfortunately, they are trying to characterize us as not wanting that. I specifically, and I think all the members of our committee would say, we want walkable, smart growth communities near transit centers. Where we differ is in transitional neighborhoods, such as 
nearby where we are sitting now, uh, the transition to the more traditional residential neighborhoods, you have to look at density is not the only answer. Um, so for example, on North Washington Street, which is just a few blocks away, members of Team Rockville have said, some of them, they'd be willing to go to 10 and 12 stories. Most of us have said, no, that's a transition to neighborhoods and four and five story stories would be acceptable, but not going to something that is going to encroach upon a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so um, there will be people who have to park. You do need some parking, even if you are in a transit-oriented community. That is one of the differences when you ask about affordable housing and NPDUs. There's an issue, I would say, here in Rockville Town Center and Town Square, and it's a wonderful place. You have plenty of amenities. There's excellent restaurants and cuisine to come down. But it seems like you're, you're, you're witnessing businesses move out, restaurants leaving the town square, town center. So what would be the draw? How can we fix this? How is the council looking at, is it maybe a new marketing effort? Or is there an opportunity to, to jump on, a, a, you know, maybe a different style of what, uh, what this community needs? I, I don't know the answer to that because I'm sure you would love to, to see this entire town center booming. There recently was an Urban Land Institute report, which I am sure you uh, mm -hmm. are very well versed in <laughs> what it has recommended. Some of the recommendations, I think, make good sense. For example, street connectivity, and perhaps we even think in the future of having some pedestrian-only or bicycle-only streets and close off the vehicular traffic and bus traffic. That is one. Uh, in addition, ways to solve some of the, uh, what some, has some have characterized as a sleepy town center. Hmm. But to make it more vibrant, I think it has to be a partnership. This is also the county seat. So what I would do if I were queen for a day, I'm not, <laughs> but if I were queen for a day and I would champion, that we convene a, an immediate summit, including the following the members from the Rockville Chamber of Commerce, READY or the Rockville Economic Development Inc., which is our arm for economic development in the city of Rockville, ranking officials from the circuit and district courts, because they are the neighbors here, as well as county government, and from the corporate sector, any representatives, uh, and, and as well as city staff, and working together and neighborhoods, what can we do? I think it has to be a much more intense effort in marketing. For example, there have been little to no efforts along the years that the Rockville Town Center has been opening to market to county government workers. You have a whole cohort who could be here either during their lunch break, after work, to come and dine here, to ice skate, to take advantage of the movies on the square, or shop. There's never been any inducement enticements to them, to the circuit court, district court, to jurors. You have visitors from all over the county coming here each and every day, and there's been nothing for them. I would also say that we, as of Monday, passed a complete and comprehensive revision to the sign code or sign code ordinance. Uh, the, what that will do is there can now be a sign 
outward facing on 355. And oh, by the way, the same issue for the King Farm retail area that will promote that there is a commercial center inside of Rockville Town Center as well as King Farm. So signage could be improved, wayfinding. Um, I happen to live west of I-270. Mm -hmm. The folks in my neighborhood, in the neighborhoods where I live, don't think about coming here. We have to think about marketing to our residents. There's the barrier psychologically of I-270. They may go to uh, Pike and Rose, where there is free parking, which is another issue we have to deal with to uh, consider the inconsistencies in parking and make it easier. Uh, Pike and Rose, there's Crown, there's Rio, there's downtown Bethesda. There are many different opportunities for people to go to dine and recreate. We have to look as parking as another one of the barriers that the mayor and council have tried to look at. We didn't resolve yet. There is new leadership of federal realty, which would have to be the other partner in any summit because they control the leasing here of the space in Rockville Town Center. We also have to remember the Regal Row and the North Washington businesses. Town Center, uh, while by definition is its core, we have to look beyond that to the right. commercial centers that are immediately adjoining. The, you said you lived west of 270, of course. Look, I, I spent a lot of time in Rockville. We have two kids who, one is in Thomas Wooten, another one, of course, is in Robert Frost. And my wife and I, our favorite restaurant in, the, in Rockville has to be Clyde's. It is, we spent more time there, especially during the summer or late nights. And it's just a, a wonderful place, Tower Oaks. I see Tower Oaks is really building up, and that's a, that's a new and burgeoning community. Uh, right up the street, you'll have the Stanford Grill. I'm not, I'm not plugging restaurants, and they're not even sponsors, but I will tell you that's where we go to eat. I mean, we come into Rockville a lot. And there's another neat little restaurant. Um, it's called Nantucket Reef. And I think that's in the city limits. It's uh, it's right by um, Shady Grove. I don't know if that's in the city. Maybe outside the limits. Okay. But actually, I was at Clyde's last night, and while I don't want it as an unpaid endorsement, that's exactly where our family was last night. It's, it's the best. It really is. They have delicious seasonal menu. Um, so as we, we wrap up, uh, Councilwoman, you have another forum tonight. and Yes, we do, Ed. King Farm, and that'll be Wednesday night. What time does that start? Uh, I believe that starts at 6.30. Okay. Oh, King Farm, there's another big issue. I, one final issue I wanted to ask you about, and then I want you to go into your final pitch, is I've asked many of the candidates about the Redgate Golf Course. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? So we've been asked that at many of the forums. Um, there has been a suggestion from federal members of the Veterans Administration whether we would be willing to have a parcel or a part of the Redgate property as a veteran's kind of a cluster cottage type home environment. Uh, there's only one, unfortunately, one place for veterans in the state of Maryland, and to me that's just terrific. We have to thank our veterans who have suffered injuries, whether they are life-threatening injuries, certainly those who've given their lives, but those two have served and suffered, uh, we have to remember and treat them with dignity and respect because they are there to protect us. 
I would love to see if there's an agreement. I understand that the veterans are looking at more than one site. It has to be something that meets their needs, but I would certainly like to consider for Redgate. It's 144 properties. Not all of it is usable because there are some stormwater management portions of it, and the topography doesn't lend its footprint to all being used. But unlike some others on Team Rockville who would like to see that be a residential development across the property and basically use it as a piggy bank uh, to support other endeavors. I would like to see us use it for a portion of it. And I believe they have talked about um, using a small number of acres out of the 144, as well as for paths, as walking paths. And in fact, what the veterans officials have told us is for those suffering for, say, PTSD, they need walking trails and open land to walk. So I would like to see the open land. I would like to see the veterans' homes. And the other that I have suggested consistently is we are currently building the main, we are not building, the Main Street project is coming on Monroe Place for those with disabilities. I would love to see not necessarily a high rise, but it could be group homes for those with, because the land would enable you to, for those with disability, with disabilities. So I would encourage those types of uses as well as there would be plenty for parkland. Certainly a lot of options there. Well, a few more weeks until this election is over. Uh, less than two now. We're a 13-day stretch. Councilwoman, you've been on the council since 2013. For residents listening to this podcast, what would be your pitch to them that when they fill out their ballots or if they choose to visit City Hall to encourage them that you're the right candidate for re-election? I would hope that the next mayor and council has more 
and civility. And if you want somebody who will be fair and a good custodian of your tax dollars, then please vote for me before November 5th, because those ballots have to be received by 8 o'clock on November 5th. Well, Council Beryl Feinberg running for re-election to the Rockville City Council. You can find her online at Beryl Feinberg. She has a Facebook page as well. That's BarrelFeinberg.Politician. She's also on Twitter at VoteFeinberg. Councilwoman, thank you so much for this opportunity to join the podcast, and I wish you best of luck as you finish out these final weeks of your your city council re-election campaign. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a Minor Detail podcast. Remember to call Care Plus Home Health today at 301-740-8870. Discover how they can help mom and dad or an aging family member live safer and healthy inside their home.